0: All right, on the on that song sheet, we have an opening prayer for Matthew. If you guys will pray this with me, and we're going to be in Matthew 1, 1 through 17. We were there last week. We're going to be here again this week. And so will you guys pray this prayer with me, and then I'm going to read it again for us, and we'll get into it. Our Father, allow Your Holy Spirit to reveal to us this wise picture of Jesus' life. Teach us to listen, consider, and implement what we see into the way we live. Let us see your kingdom anew and let our desires be to follow your ways. Sorry, seek you and follow you all your ways. I'll learn how to read this week. So Jesus, we want to be your disciples. Help us live our lives for you. Amen. Matthew chapter one, verses one through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Abimedad, and Abimedad the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, Shealtio was father to Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud. Abiud the father of Elkayim, and Elkayim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Iliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Matan, and Matan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born. Who is called the Christ? So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations from David to the deportation uh, to Babylon. Fourteen generations from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ. Fourteen generations. So here we are. We're in this genealogy of Jesus again this week, uh, and the reason is because there's more for us than we were than we just talked about last week, and it specifically. For us who are not from Galilee, we're not from this, this time period or this place, we're not from Jerusalem, and I don't think anybody in this room is even ethnically Jewish. So it's speaking uh, to us in a different way than it would have to the Jewish people of that time. And before we dive into the genealogy of Jesus, I want to mention that this word here, genealogy, is equivalent to the word Genesis. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of the story of Jesus Christ. We are at the beginning of the story of our Messiah, our Savior. And we don't, uh, we're don't. we at the beginning of the story, as we learned last week, of our King, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we won't see all that we want to see, but we will see enough of Jesus' life to get a good glimpse at who He is, how He lived, and in turn, how He wants us to live. And we get to see that even from the beginning, there is humility, to recognize the family that Jesus came from, many uh, many Asian cultures, as you guys know, honor their ancestors. They and most Western cultures do not, right? Certainly uh, not to the degree that um, uh, that Asian cultures would. And this genealogy is a, is kind of akin to that honoring of the ancestors. There is an honoring of or an acknowledgement. Of those who have come before. I love the story. I think it was a Japanese story. Is like, if you're a Japanese Christian, you don't eat the apple without thanking the person who picked it, the person who tended the tree, the person all the way back until the person who planted the tree. And so you you go back and you honor and you acknowledge those who have come before. The goodness, the idea in that the goodness from that apple would have come From all this, it wasn't just because you're eating it right now. And it is good to recognize for us how you got to where you are. Who it is that came before you, who it is and and their part of their story makes who you are. And there is an inherent humility that comes from this. That we will see in Jesus, that Jesus' life, the humility is the way of Jesus. And even this genealogy shows, shows that, I believe. It is a beautiful thing, or at least it can be, right? Um, many Christians from Asian cultures still do a good job and honoring their ancestors, keeping that tradition going. While they no longer worship them or pray to them, they still honor them and honor is given. And we don't need to be afraid of honoring our ancestors or acknowledging where we came from. And that comes in the both the good and the bad. And as we look at this list, we can see very clearly that Jesus didn't come from the cleanest family line of all time. There were some great folks, some godly folks, some moments that we really get to live up to and and acknowledge some of the great things that they did. But then there are some others that are not so great. In fact, not even some who were Righteous in all that they did and how they lived by faith. And then there were just some who were flat out evil, who loved idols and hated God. And this shows the reality to us of Jesus' humanness. Jesus was human. It wasn't a squeaky clean family line. There were some people in that, as we read through that list, that were deeply, deeply flawed. Some who made huge mistakes. And some that certainly not... um, uh, the certainly not the type of mistakes or even the types of sins that you'd expect from the family line of God, and even in Jesus' lineage, um, the beautiful thing is not all were Jewish, not all we we traced it back to Father Abraham, the beginning of this new nation that Jesus was gonna have, and not all the people in this list were Jewish, and it's important to us, and maybe, uh One reason why the women uh, of Jesus' genealogy are so important to us as non-Jews. I don't think any of us here today, um, uh, well, I know none of us here today were in Jesus' culture. We'd completely be outsiders, right? We'd be outsiders. We'd be Gentiles. We'd be foreigners. And here we are identifying with a group whose national identity we don't share. We are outsiders, and yet, because of Jesus, because of Jesus, what happens? We're invited in. We're invited in to take part of the blessing of the family, and in Jesus' family line, we can see that we are in good company of those who are in Jesus' family line. We are of those who are invited, in, invited into it by faith, and we are those who are, um, later on we'll use this word, grafted into Jesus' family as well. We are shaped into Jesus' family tree. In this genealogy are mentioned Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, the wife of Uriah, who we know as Bathsheba, and of course, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who we'll talk about next week. These five women are mentioned. And each one of these women, we have their stories. It's told. In fact, you can go through the, intest- in the, New Te- the Old Testament, and we know these women and their stories are told at greater length and in more detail than most of the men in the family line. And it's beautiful. There is a great line shown in the genealogy from this, this woman. And, you know, I was thinking about it originally. I thought, well, this is rare that women are mentioned. Whereas it's not necessarily, it's not unheard of to include women in your family line, but it's also not the norm. It's not the norm. So one commentator called it unconventional, which as we step into God's kingdom, we get to live unconventionally. To have these women mentioned um, is unconventional. And in a way, we are lucky we have these women here today because it helps tell the story it helps tell the story of jesus and certainly as we pray like jesus show us this this story this wise picture of your life well a wise picture of this life includes these women here for us as outsiders we want in don't we jesus has so many blessings and we will see more of them as time goes on we want these blessings and through jesus and through his lineage, we can see that we can be brought into the fold as well because of these women. I want to give a quick rundown of each of these women. You guys can read about these, and I'll, I'll quote the, like, where, they're, where, they're, where they can be found so you can look at it on your own if you want. But Tamar, it starts, the first woman mentioned was Tamar. She was a Canaanite. So remember the people that they were supposed to utterly destroy? She's one of them. She's one of them. And she marries one of the sons of Judah. And and Judah is the son of Jacob, known as Israel, one of the men for who the tribes are named. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Okay, well, who's next? Who's next? Well, next comes from Tamar. Tamar was married into the family. She married one of uh, Judah's sons named Ur. Ur was Found to be an evil, wicked man, and so God took his life. So, as was the custom at that time, she married her brother-in-law, Er's brother in law, Ur's brother, Onan. And uh, Onan used Tamar, but did not respect her or honor her or honor his brother or his family line. He was sexually abusive to her, and because God saw this evil that Onan was doing, he took Onan's life. Now, Because, again, of tradition, Judah had one more son, but he was much younger. And Judah asked Tamar to wait for this younger brother to fulfill the family line through Tamar. So she kind of did. She kind of did. And in this time, she moved back with her family. But but then she grew tired and restless. She knew that uh, her time for giving birth was coming going to come to a close and before that happened she wanted the blessing she wanted to be a part of this family she wanted and so she heard that judah was going to shear some sheep and in that time he went and he visited a prostitute whom he met along the road and although she was not a prostitute tamer posed as one so that she could become pregnant through the man judah and be a part of that line She knew who Judah was, but Judah did not know her. And he didn't know it was Tamar. And Tamar became pregnant with Perez, one of the ancestors. Perez and the uh, the other son's name, because they were were twins. And, And this is one of the ancestors of Jesus. Her story is told in full in Genesis 38. But I'll say this. Tamar, even though you look at her actions, they were a little bit like sneaky. She acted in righteousness. She, in fact, Judah says that Tamar was more righteous than he was. Tamar was. And in faith, that is how God would provide for her and through this action of hers, he did. Don't recommend it. We don't want our kids to go through what she went through. But God provided in this way. Next, we have Rahab. Which was also a Canaanite, and she did not just pose as a prostitute. She was one. She was in the city of Jericho, the same city who we have sung about, right? They marched around the city seven times, yelled and screamed, and the walls fell down. She was in that city. When the Israelites sent spies into the land, Rahab hid the spies in her house as an act of righteousness and an act of faith she knew that God was going to give the city to the Israelites. And she wanted to follow God rather than the rest of Jericho. And when the time came for the walls to come down, Rahab and her family were obedient. And because of that obedience, she was saved. And in that, she was saved and she was kind of adopted into the Israelite family where she married Salmon of the tribe of Judah. And... She was the mother of Boaz, who you can read all about Boaz in Ruth. And uh, Rahab's story is told in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6, but she's also mentioned all throughout Joshua up until even in Ruth. Next, we have Ruth, who is a Moabite. And if you don't know how the Moabites came around, uh, I'll tell you later. Her story is told in the book of Ruth. And even if you're familiar with it, I, I think it's one of the prettiest stories and like well-written books of the Bible. I love it. I would encourage you to go read it. It's a beautiful story of God's provision and care for an outsider, for an outsider who makes God her God. She was widowed and then followed her mother-in-law and stuck by her side, but didn't just follow the mother-in-law and stuck by her side. She stuck. She followed her mother-in-law's God. And she's stuck by God's side. And even in that beautiful telling of that beautiful story, Ro, Ruth gave birth to Boa, or Obed, who Obed was the grandfather of David. You can see in this family line of Jesus, it all coming together. Last in the Old Testament, we have the wife of Uriah, which we know at, as Bathsheba. Solomon, the, the, uh, uh, she was Solomon, who Solomon was one of the wisest kings to ever live and richest kings to ever live. She was his mother through David. Now, David is always told as the one righteous man in the the Old Testament, except for this one moment, right? Except for the David and Bathsheba moment, it was just that one moment that he wasn't good, where he was on his roof, he saw a beautiful woman bathing, he went and he had someone bring her to him, he slept with her, got her pregnant, and she had a husband, but she had a husband, Uriah the Hittite which by the way Uriah the Hittite makes some commentators believe that Bathsheba was not Jewish either she may have been she may not have been she was at least living in the town where David was but she might she might or might not have been Jewish we don't know this the fact that David got a married woman's pregnant and it was not his wife this was a problem and David needed to correct it so he brought Uriah in from the front lines of battle where he was waging the war that David had started and he was fighting for David, but Uriah would not sleep with his wife while he was away from the front lines because he didn't want to dishonor his fellow combatants. Uriah was an outstanding man in this. So David had him killed and then he took Bathsheba for his own wife. It wasn't just that one thing David Did Uh, There are lots of times where David made mistakes. This is not the only time. But yet, God still used this woman, Bathsheba, in a mighty way. She was one of eight wives that David had, at least. And uh, she was one that was most respected as well. She pleaded in faith that Solomon, her son, would be king when David passed away. And David set Solomon on the throne in place in his place because of the faith of Bathsheba. She was a righteous woman. She was also an abused woman by David. This family line in its stories, um, at least these ones of these women, they're not the cleanest. Maybe with the exception of Ruth, that was a, that was a fairly clean story, but these stories, um, uh, I mean, if we had time or maybe a different audience, they're not that family friendly. We could get into it at greater detail for sure, but this shows us who is in God's family line and I believe it can give us a vision for what is possible with our own families as well. This story, these stories help show the story of God's grace through Jesus it started at the creations of the earth and it's through this family line as well because it doesn't matter who you've been, what you've done, you are welcome and can be welcomed into the family line of God. You can be accepted into this family. You don't have to be clean to be invited. You don't. I, I know too many people who are like, well, I need to clean myself up and then I'll come to church. No, come as you are. And let God do the work in you. You are invited into the family line of God. And if you've got a clean past, you're welcome. Or you got one that some would call sketchy. You too are welcomed into this family. We fit side by side. One of the great things that these women mention in Jesus' family line is that they weren't from great families. And they weren't perfect. When And yet, God loved on them and invited them in. And we have those who... We're tricked, and those who tricked, and we have prostitutes, and those who've been abused, and those who've been lost, and those who have struggled. They are all in Jesus' family line, and by grace, we can be too. One of the commentators told how this proves that there can be Gentile inclusion into the because they all come from all these different backgrounds. That is inclusion into God's family of non-Jews. But it goes way, way, way beyond that. It shows us that God will go out of his way to rescue those whom he loves. Their past doesn't matter. Even in, in these situations, it looks like their present doesn't matter. God still invites them in. And as we learn to walk with Jesus and follow in his ways, we get to see that there are all types In Jesus' family line, we get to accept them as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and it's not always easy, is it? But Jesus provided a way for forgiveness and restoration to this family. I honestly, I love the genealogy of Jesus. I love that these women are mentioned in particular. It's actually the reason why I wanted to preach Matthew to begin with, because of the names of these women. I love that their stories are known. Because not everybody in that genealogy, their stories aren't known. I love that there is so much that can't be explained in terms of earning greatness or having a history of being perfect or clean. And that gives me hope. I love that there are prostitutes mentioned and I love that God rescues them and gives them hope and a future as he does with you and me. I love the story of rescue is not by man's hands. And if we, if we follow the story, rescue came from the bold action of women, God's hand through these women. And it's beautiful. God is in the process of restoration. Amen? He just is. He restored these women, and if he can restore these women, you know what he does to us? He restores us. In the wisdom given to Matthew by the Holy Spirit, we are allowed to see some of the dirt in Jesus' family line. We are gifted with sight of the fact that we can never be too dirty or too sinful to come to Jesus. We are never that unclean. To be welcomed into the grace and saving power of Jesus Christ. We, uh, I think of it this way. We're never too far gone. Amen? We're never too far gone to be restored. We get to live this out. Not just for ourselves, but when we look to others, no one's too far gone. And so we keep living for Jesus. And God's the one that changes heart. And we ask him to. And God's the one that changes desires. And we ask him to do that for us, but those around us as well. And so in this, I pray that we may walk with Jesus. Jesus came through this family line. And we will look more at his life. We will interact with him and and, uh, people, uh, and and see him interact with people who look very much like people from his family line. We will see him forgive and accept those who do not look like they deserve it. And yet he still does it. Not only that, but Jesus will go to the cross and die for those who have committed the worst of sins. And Jesus will go to the cross because he he's the one that despises the shame that we feel, despises the guilt that we feel from our past or maybe even our current situations. And by his death and his blood, he wants us to be free from this guilt and shame once and for all and forever. He wants to restore us to the place where he sees us as whole, and we know that we're in that family line of Jesus as well. And and he wants to make us holy through the work of his Holy Spirit. Jesus shows us from the get-go, you are never too unclean to be a, far, a, a, far, a part of Jesus' family line. So, come by faith. Come into this righteousness that these women believed in. Join your life to his life and join your family to his family so that we can be included in the family line of Jesus. So Jesus, I pray that you will minister to us that we are a part of your family. I pray that, Lord, if we're feeling shame or guilt for our past, that we can look to your past and even beyond that and see that it's in there the whole way and you still redeem and you still restore. So Jesus, please do this for us. In Jesus' name, amen.